Yo, 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 what's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Keep Your Crown Up Crown Cast. My name is J.R. Morris, a.k.a. Kyle the Conductor. I'm so happy to be here, so happy to share here. It really means the world, the globe, the sun, the moon, the horseshoes, all of that stuff in between. Uh, also, special shout out to Royal Pieces, our official sponsor. Wearable art formations that reflect your royalty with them. Check them out on I Jizzle for Shizzle, my nizzle. Royal P-E-A-C-E-S, P-E-A-C-E-S. Now that we got that out the way, we have a very special guest. His brother came to my classroom, uh, the Black Thought class I was just telling you about. Um, and he just dropped gems. He dropped gems. He dropped bars. And he, we were having a conversation in between classes. And I was like, yo, wait, wait, hold that story. The people need to hear it. So without further ado, you guys are so blessed to hear none other than the OG, youngest OG, the youngest OG, a.k.a. Eli Capella. What's good? What's good? How's everybody doing? First of all, this is crazy. <laughs> this is really fire, and I'm about to use this to make diaries. I'm yeah, it's serious. Yeah, okay, anchors that app, man. me, man. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So you were about to say you were at a crossroads, mm-hmm. uh, letting us. Um, oh no, you had to make a decision between doing music and not doing music. Yeah. And yep. I wasn't sure what you were about to say next, so I just wanted to hear what's up. Yeah, definitely. So basically, in eleventh grade. I, that's when I realized. No, in the tenth grade is when I realized that I wanted to be a rapper. When I first started rapping, I didn't. I didn't want to be a rapper. Like mm-hmm. I, I thought that that was a one in a million type of thing. That it just was something that I had fun doing. Cause my uh, dad, he he was an MC. He he opened up for Brand Nubian at the at the old Armory, and he was about to go on tour with them. But that stopped because his because his wife at the time, who was now his ex wife saw how he was getting into the groupies and she made him choose between mm. you know being with her or you know going on tour so he decided to be with her ironically he isn't with her anymore but i kind of caught the bug and, and he like my mom and my dad knew that i was going to be a writer but they didn't know that i would be doing this so anyway i, I started rapping and i'm really enjoying it and that's when i came to the conclusion yo this, this is what i want to do so I heard about Millersville University. They came to my school and they talked about the majors that they had. And one of the majors was music business. So I remember I was in 12th grade and I um, and I put them in and I sent the application in and I got a call about an audition. So when they called me up, they was like, all right, cool. So which instrument are you going to be playing? <laughs> I didn't play the flute since I was in middle school. Like they, wow. yeah, like I played the flute and the saxophone and they took the uh, band class out of the curriculum by the time I got to high school. So so music was always in me and I was like, I don't play an instrument. And they're like, oh, well, do you sing? And I was like, yeah, but I rap too. So I'm hoping that y'all could be open-minded and let me audition as a rapper. And it was like, oh, well, you would be the first to audition for it because we never had a rapper come out before. So all right, cool. So my, my mom, my stepfather, they drove me up to Millersville and uh, I was the only black kid there. Mm. Everybody else was, you know, middle class to suburban white people who, who were classically trained in vocals. They they probably performed in operas. They probably performed in, like, big choirs, like, like just really how they sounded. They all had knowledge of music theory. I had no knowledge of music theory. The only musical knowledge I had was the basic foundation that I picked up all the way in middle school when I played the flute. So I definitely flunked that music theory test, <laughs> for sure, for sure. But I remember, but I remember the audition. The audition was was ridiculous because not only were the judges in that gym, but there were professors within that um, the 
within the music department who just wanted to see what was about to happen. So the room was filled and I was in the dance studio and they didn't even have a mic at first. And it was like, oh, well, how do you feel about performing without a mic? I was like, fam, like I need a mic. Like I just <laughs> do, cause I'm about to play my tracks on this. And I performed my stuff. And I remember how like one of them was like still, but like looked mind blown. The other one was this, like white lady and she was just jigging. Like she just didn't care, she was vibing. And the teachers was just like big eyes shocked. Like, and they were like, yeah, so we're gonna let you know in two weeks whether or not you got accepted. And they hit me up the next day, said like, they sent the email, said, hey, we're, say, say, hey, we're happy to have you in the school, blase, blase. I'm like, yo, I'm the first black person to ever do this, to, to ever audition to get accepted into this college as a hip hop artist. So I was extremely hyped. That's love. Yeah, until my FAFSA came through mm. and I only got like two stacks mm. for a school that I had to pay 16K a year for. Mm. So I contacted the director cause you know, from my perspective, he was ex he was extremely ex excited to have me. He, he was explaining how it was an honor to make history, blase, blase, blase. So I hit him up, I was like, yo, like, is there any way that I could get like a scholarship or some money? Like, I don't have any money to go to the school and I'm the first person ever to do what I did. And he emailed me back, was like, well, technically you're, you're now the second person be because uh, like a week after you auditioned, uh, uh, another person who was a black girl, she auditioned and got accepted. But we hope to see you next year. Mm. So I was just hurt. Like it's crazy because me and my dad, we wasn't talking for like a minute, and I and I remember calling my dad crying, like, "Yo, like I don't know what I'm gonna do. Like this was my plan. Like I plan to go to Millersville. I plan to be that bull, and I plan and I plan to blow up because their music department was was so fire. Like they had, like 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 the studio was top notch. The teachers were top notch. The engineers, all that, and and I would have had access to all that on top of already having a reputation." Now, during this time, I was a shelter kid. Like, I've seen some things, but it was pretty minor com compared to the things I've seen now. So my rapping style and my style of music, it was transparent, but it wasn't as gritty as it is now. And I remember I was just crying to my dad, like, yo, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And my, and, my, and my dad stopped me. He was like, yo, shut up. Like, just let me talk. He said, yo, you can make two choices. Either you stop doing this music shit and you pursue something else, or you eliminate Plan B. Like, like, like he screamed this in my ear. Like, you eliminate Plan B. You start from the bottom. It's gonna be hard and work your way up in Philly. Go to CCP. Do whatever you gotta do to build that network, and it's not gonna be easy. But when, but when you do it, you're gonna. Damn, it's 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 crazy. He he, he said that when I do it. I'm gonna have a bunch of networks and I'm really gonna be established in Philly. It, it's, it's, it's crazy because when I say this story now, like I'm about to have a concert with hundreds of people in that job. So from that point on, I just like, even to my very first open mic, I was extremely hype about that joint. Yeah, I'm gonna come in, in, in this joint and rock that joint. It's about to be packed. I walk into the open mic, bro. It was one person in attendance, <laughs> literally one person. And I had high hopes, but I wasn't hurt because I always thought about that um, that letdown that happened in Millersville. Like, ain't like, and I promised myself that nothing was gonna hurt me worse than that. Mm. So even when I saw that one person, I'm I'm like, cool, all right, cool. Like, 
this crowd might not be packed this time, but I'm gonna perform my ass off until that joint is, and and I've been doing it up until now. Wow. <laughs> Yo, and for a treatment, I forgot we was on the podcast. Um, my phone went black. My 20% message popped up. Um, all right, a couple things you touched on, man. Uh, it's easy to, for people to get caught up in the shoulda, coulda, wouldas. And before you know it, you shitting all over yourself. Yeah. So how are you able to look at what happened at Millersville and how were you able to turn that into an opportunity, turn that obstacle into an opportunity to eliminate plan B and move forward? Like, what was the, was like, especially being discouraged, like, how, how, how were you able to train your mind to not um, be so discouraged and, and keep it pushing and keeping your crown up? I mean, honestly, I probably spent my whole childhood, like, feeling discouraged and feeling depressed and just feeling down because of the fact that I am different and, and the fact that I'm not the average person that walked around in my neighborhood like I like I've always been picked on I've always been ridiculed and not so so I've always felt that kind of negativity but when it came to that to the music like I already knew how it felt to feel like a failure mm. so 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 there was literally no no like nothing new when it came to feeling like that so I just was like man like I've been there for years like for once I just want to uh tell myself no like look in the mirror like no like you're no like you're gonna do this you mean and just really just honestly just studying different artists like learn like learning that an artist like Kendrick Lamar uh before he was famous his first trip to Detroit he traveled all the way to Detroit to perform and there was only one person in the bar mm. where he people found that and he still rocked that joint like studying artists like J. Cole and and uh learning about how when he first met Jay-Z, he gave him a BCD for American Gangster and Jay-Z never hit him up and and him not giving up years later, Jay-Z re- rediscovering him and signing him and just so on and so forth. So just seeing all, all of those stories and, and just seeing the way that those artists made it, it just really inspired me to just be like, yo, like I gotta do this. Mm. And having knowledge and understanding and just genuinely being a fan of hip-hop culture and the history of it, I felt like I, w- I would be doing a disservice to the culture and a an- disservice to Philly if I didn't mm. pursue this joint. Because I-, I was in it for deeper reasons than me. Yeah. Like, from the beginning. Probably not with the same intention, but I knew that I wanted to p- do something for like like for Philly before I even could put my finger on what mm. exactly I wanted to do. Mm. Mm. Um, so before we get into your, your concert, because even though there'll be hundreds of people at your con- concert that you put together, mm-hmm. that you're headlining, um, you shared the stage with many great artists. Yeah. Um, you've been in community concerts that were free to the public, um, rocking the same stages as um, Freeway and Rico Havoc and... You said you was with Cooley Mills out in Chester and mm-hmm. other dudes who are definitely local legends. Um, and, and, you know, I've always considered you a, a, a upcoming legend. Um, Thank you. you. talked about your father and we talked about shit and shoulda, coulda, woulda and how we shit all over each other. Your father was um, a hip hop artist. You said with Brand Nubian, like he was touring with them or something like that or he, doing shows with them. So him and his group called Legacy, they did a competition 
And this is actually documented in a book that I actually surprised him with on Father's Day. I don't remember the title of the book, but uh, L, but L.O. Cool J had some words in there, Brand Nubian. It was pretty much like a compilation of different interviews with different artists. And my dad was uh, in it. So they won the competition and they got the opportunity to open up for Brand Nubian at the Armory. Mm. And the uh, Armory packed like thousands of people, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And they rocked it so hard that Brand Nubian was like, yo, we got to take y'all with us on tour and you know they was caught up in the groupies and they uh wives found out about it mm. so before they even got the opportunity to tour they did that like they disbanded because of disagreements mm. like no nah, i'm gonna stay here to be a husband and so on and so forth so mm-hmm. so those are decisions that people have to make when they want everything and they spend their whole life training um looking back in hindsight do you think your dad made the right decision knowing that he didn't stay with that woman I definitely feel like he made the right decision because, yeah, I hate that. Yeah, I hate that the uh, that the idea of, of love is giving everything up that you love for somebody that you love. I don't agree with that at all. I, like I feel like that's detrimental to the relationship and detrimental to the person them themselves. I don't feel like my dad was ready to mm. live that kind of lifestyle because he was already juggling four kids. Uh, two and only two of them had the same mother mm-hmm. and everybody else just had different moms dealing with three crazy baby moms who was just not was like who were just not having it who didn't get along with each other who didn't want, even want their kids to see each other mm-hmm. um, I feel like if he would have went on tour I probably would have never known my brothers and sisters uh, I probably would have grew up a different kind of person um uh, because I was already having trouble with being in contact with my dad. Not that he was a bad father. There were just things that were going on that were beyond me between mm. him and my mom. I feel like he would have got caught up in that lifestyle being though that he was young and he, he was a completely different person at the time. Mm. So I felt like this was the right decision because now uh, he gets to live vicariously through me, but not in a way that he's using me for his own agenda like he just wants to watch me do what it is that he loves and he feels like that our same passion for that is what brings us closer together i love it i love it yeah. now you brought up how you how you came up i know you have a song on your album what's the name of your album born and raised the soul bars bars um so i know you have a song on there about living a sheltered life it's a song that when i first heard i'm like yo why have i never done a track like this being mm-hmm. someone who grew up sheltered as well when I think about the artists like yourself, like the Tierra Wax, who uh, was able to just say, I'm going to make one minute videos, yeah. one minute song. Or artists um, like Taylor Bennett, who is not, I'm sure is not the only bisexual rapper, but he put bisexuality or um, he took a, he went on a limb, out on a limb and went into hip hop, uh, which is male dominated to say that he's out. So him, Tierra Wax. Um, who else? There's a lot of artists that are doing things like you mm-hmm. and just telling their story. Just right. being their most genuine self. And stories that other people think, oh, that's not a good story. It's not worth telling because no one else has ever told it. Yeah. And you knew that it's okay to tell your story. Mm-hmm. So you want to tell them a little about that track, um, which is one of my favorites on that album, Bars. We're talking about living a sheltered life. Yeah. So the name of the track is called Set Me Free. <laughs> uh, What... Shout out DJ Les because he because he produced that record and uh, also shout out uh, 
shout out to Jordy as well because he he uh, he produced the transition after uh, the first song "Set Me Free." But uh, what really inspired that song was just I was tuning into the beat, and usually when when I listen to beats, the first thing that comes is the melody for the hook. And for some reason, I I just was thinking about just. The very first song that I wrote for Born and Raised in Soul was Farewell. And Farewell is basically me dissing myself on the track. And when the listener listens, it sounds like I'm dissing another rapper, which creates that interest, which was another creative way to segue into the third verse. Because in this era, the third verse is kind of dying because of how small the attention span of the listeners is getting. So... I remember laying down one day and I was thinking about all of the most embarrassing things that occurred to me. And I don't know why I was thinking about this, but it was keeping me up at night because usually when like an artist is prospering, unfortunately in the black community, if there's some dirt going on, well, if there's some dirt that occurred that's hidden, it usually comes to the surface, whether it be by the media or just uh, certain black folks who are jealous of your success. So they like, oh, let me tear this man's name down. So I was thinking of the times that I got chunked. Uh, I was thinking of the times that I was afraid to fight people. I was thinking of the times that I did get embarrassed and, 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 and like all the crazy embarrassing moments, uh, not being able to go outside and even leave the block in the eighth grade or like just not even really being able to go to the store and just feeling embarrassed about how while all of my, uh, while all of my peers were having this crazy social life, I just was in a house on MySpace, on YouTube, <laughs> constantly glued to the screen. I feel like if anybody was going to uncover that dirt, it, it was going to be me. Why? Because as far as I know, I'm the only person who is willing to do it to help myself, not with the intention to tear my image apart. Mm. So, And I also feel like the best way to, to, really, to really encourage people to change is to not necessarily say you, 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 but, but to talk about what happens internally so that they don't feel like they're being singled out. So that's so that so that so that's really what encouraged set me free, the mind frame of just being mm. being vulnerable because the reality is you can't really reach high milestones without being vulnerable. It's mm. kinda like it's kinda like a long jump if I'm not mistaken or like a hurdle or something like that. Like like Sometimes you can't jump feet first. Sometimes the best way to jump over is to jump head first. Mm. And that's and that's not very common. But that technique is what caused but like that technique changed the whole dynamic of the sport. You know, so so just being vulnerable was was really the main key factor when it came to this project and set me free. Word. I really appreciate you sharing that, man. I just wanted to make sure it was on YouTube. You can also find it on Apple Music for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, it's on Spotify and everything else. Yep. Yep. Wow, so the project is called Bars by Eli Capella. Eli is E L I C A P E L L A. Uh, the number nine, if you follow him on Instagram. Mm -hmm. So once again, that's Eli Capella nine. Um, he's a really dope dude, really talented. I wanted to ask you about that song. I never knew that, and I'm inspired to write. Something that's because I've been chumped so many times. I remember this one dude, Quay Kwamir, Kwamain, something like that, mm -hmm. in the ninth grade. I was telling, uh, I kept saying that not him specifically, mm -hmm. but my homie was in a slow class because mm -hmm. it was, um, one my own ignorance because the way they put us in tracks. And I was in first track, and, and one of my homies, um, they don't leave the classroom, they stay in the same class all day, and we called that the slow class. And he was some new dude, I didn't even know him from a can of paint, and I kept, um, 
Long story short, he found out I was calling the slow class. He was trying to fight. Everybody on the bus, people riding the bus, don't even take that bus. Yeah. Just see us uh, fight. I didn't want to get up out of my seat, so he drawed me once. I stayed there. He drawed me a second time. And then I just stayed there. I'm like, I'm not fighting you. Like, I just jumped out. Like, I was mm. like, you know, I wrote a check that my butt kit in cash. And um, I just remember feeling so, so stupid, so dumb, so chump. And then Ludacris had just dropped this song. Um, I forgot what the song was, but at the end of it, he was like, I came. I saw. Uh, I, I hit him right there in the jaw. <laughs> and, like, I just remember people were like, it wasn't stand up, but it was in the music video. Yeah, and yeah, I just remember, yeah. like, I just remember people just singing that in a hallway and yeah. never feeling like crap, bro. So, I mean, I'm going to share my other stories on this show. Uh, typically, Tuesdays are, are Transparency Tuesday. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm happy to able to, I'm happy that we're in a school. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm happy we were able to have, um, we call this art versations, where we sit down with artists and, you know, talk about their inspirations and things Fire. like that. So I'm glad we would have an un, unexpected art versation with Eli Capella. No doubt. So Eli, any words you want to lead the people? I know it's probably supposed to be 10 minutes. I think we're coming up on 20. Um, <laughs> is there any, any words that you want to lead people with? Uh, anything? Uh, yeah. Uh... Born and Raised in Soul concert is May 15th. I'm mm. extremely excited about that. Not just because it's uh, my concert, but because it's really an opportunity to be rebellious towards the way that the music industry has framed our mindsets into thinking that we have to wait and we have to hope that some lawyer or accountant that owns a company gives us a contract to be able to achieve milestones like selling a large ton of merch or like even selling out your own show with a large audience is really just an ode to what hip-hop was and what hip-hop will come to be in due time with patience and unity and integrity so mm. slide out to that john mm. and yeah man I just keep doing this podcast because this <laughs> is fire this is unexpected but mm. extremely fire and necessary hey there it is man so how we close out every show uh, I say thanks again for listening to the Keep Your Crown Up Crowncast. My name is J.R. Morris, a.k.a. Kyle the Conductor. Please remember to conduct ourselves more positively so we can conduct the energy in a room more positively and ultimately conduct our people to freedom. And yo, if you know how to play every instrument, <laughs> whether it's a saxophone or a flute, whatever, you can still make beautiful music if you know how to work with the people around you. <laughs> it's all how we arrange things. That's what conductors do. So please, trust the process. Protect your light. Keep your crown up. It's going to be all right. Let's go. Hey!